So I'm going to be talking about worship this morning. I'm going to be talking about worship. And, you know, to worship God is to know God. Worship is just one of the ways that we can connect with him. Um, Isaiah 43, 21 says, These people I have formed for myself, they shall declare my praise. Amen. We were created to worship him because we were created for him. You know, fellowship is so close to God's heart. He wants that connection with his people. And it even came up in the prayer room this morning. I feel like through this message, God is going to give you some tools. And he's going to give you tools to draw closer to him, tools to learn how to hear his voice, tools on how to cultivate breakthrough in our lives. I'm going to be talking a bit about breakthrough this morning. I think, Rach, you said it uh, in one of the first songs about, you know, how when the people of God stood and worshipped, there was breakthrough that happened. Amen. Um, And just tools that are going to help us to be able to respond from his heart. You know, while there's so much going on out there, there's so much noise, worship is going to be like a tool that God is going to give us and that we already have. It's like a focal point, you know. If we're feeling distracted, we just hook into worship and then we're connected to him straight away. Amen. So as I was fellowshipping with God over what to bring, (laughs) God spoke to me and it was one of those moments where you hear God's voice and it's like, I've got to actually quickly write that down or I'm going to forget what he said. It was that kind of, <laughs> that kind of moment. And the three points that I feel like he wants me to bring this morning is, um, the first one is moments in worship. And so that's just about us giving ourselves over to him um, and setting time aside specifically to draw close to him. I know it sounds simple, but it's not to be underestimated. Um, a lifestyle of worship was the second point that God gave me. And that's, I'm going to be talking about just reverencing uh, truth in every situation that we go into. And not only that, when we go into a situation as a believer, we have to reverence his character and who he is in that situation. Um, and then a heart of worship. Amen. Before we pray, I'm just going to share a dream as well that I had because I feel like it, it's kind of going to frame what God, what I feel like God wants to do this morning Um, And in this dream, I was snorkelling in like a really shallow little sort of pool by the sea and the the ocean washed in and out of this pool so that, you know, there was a little bit of sea life in there, but I I had someone holding my hand and we were sort of, you know, snorkelling around and there there was a little bit to see. There was, you know, some fish and they were quite nice and there was a little bit of coral, but, you know, as this person was taking me around, it was still quite shallow, this pool, and I was like, I'm enjoying this in the dream and then we kind of went through like a bit of a a sort of a tunnel and it was a little bit unknown a little bit different I'm like okay but I'm still just going to hold this person's hand they're taking me to the next part and as soon as we got through to this next part it was like we were in the open ocean and we were snorkeling and there was no comparison to that little shallow pool we were in this open ocean and it was like you know fish and wildlife and just everything that you would expect to see in an amazing reef And I thought, God, what does that mean? And the scripture that he gave me is Jeremiah 33, 3, and it says, Call to me and I will show you great and mighty things, things that you do not know. Amen. So it says, call to me. We're actually the ones that call to him. And he doesn't want us just to stay in that little shallow pool. You know, there's so much more. We never fully arrive in our relationship of knowing God. Amen. It's not like, oh, yeah, I know you, God. Now I'm good to go. And that's what makes the Christian uh, walk an exciting one, you know, because daily we can get to know him more and more. Amen. So I'm just going to pray and then we'll get into the word. 
Father God, I just thank you that you open our hearts this morning, Lord, to what you want to do, Father God, to what you're saying right now, Father God. I just pray that every single one of us receives this morning, Lord God. We thank you, Lord, that your word is alive and active and sharper than any double-edged sword, Father God, that good fruit is born, Father, from what you want to do this morning and what you're saying. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Now, I'm not going to use the, the screen so who bought their Bibles? I'm going to go old school. Who didn't bring their Bible? No, it's okay, I'm joking. <laughs> um, okay, so we're going to start with the first point, moments in worship. Um, open your Bibles to Luke chapter 8, please. Luke chapter 8. Um, before we go there, I'm just going to read a quote that I came across, which I thought was really awesome, and it's by Eugene Peterson. He was the guy that was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write the Message Bible, so he would probably know a thing or two about worship. And it says, worship is the strategy by which we interrupt our preoccupation with ourselves. Amen, who's been there? I know I've certainly been preoccupied with myself in the past. <laughs> and we attend to the presence of God. Isn't that an awesome quote? So worship is something that we can do every day. You know, it's not just for Sunday for half an hour here. Um, every single day we can cultivate something of the presence of God. What a gift. And, you know, God desires that we worship him, not because he's insecure and he's up there like, ooh, I hope my people are going to worship me today so I feel better about myself. <laughs> no, it's because he desires relationship. Amen. And, you know, I often think about this, an awesome communion message, Kath, and, you know, about the gospel and what Jesus did on the cross for us. He did it all while we were still sinners. He still died for us. He paid that terrible price. And, you know, talking to someone about that and delivering the gospel message, a lot of the time our response is, well, what does he want from me? <laughs> you know, what's the catch kind of thing? He just wants relationship, that's what's at God's very heart. And everything that we do flows out of that place of intimacy and that place of fellowship. Um, in the Psalms, so often it says, we are getting to Luke chapter 8. In the Psalms, so often it'll say, you know, bless the Lord, all my soul. Bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord. And I, I read that and I think, how can I bless you, God? What can I possibly do? do or you know give you well it's through this it's exactly what we're talking about who doesn't want to be someone that can bless the lord what a privilege um second corinthians 13 14 this was brought up in prayer on tuesday night and you don't need to turn there but i'm just going to read it and paul is praying for the church at corinth and he says may the love of god the grace of the lord jesus and the communion with the holy spirit be with you all that's one of my favourite verses. So, you know, to worship him, we are communing with the Spirit of God. Amen. One of the best prophetic words that I ever received was actually from someone in this church. <laughs> Rach. Um, and, you know, all prophetic words are good, but one that I just have so dear to my heart and, and what, what the Holy Spirit said through Rach about me was um, God's going to tell you the secrets of his heart. Amen. And that's, that's not just for me, though, because the Bible says, and I think you brought the scripture as well, Pete, it says, draw, he says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. Amen. If there's anything that I want to be known for, it's someone who knows God. You know, when we get to heaven, it's not, it shouldn't be like, hi, like that unfamiliar, hi, there you are. It should be like, I'm home. 
You know, I spent my life getting to know you, God. Amen. Um, So let's go to Luke chapter 8, 40 to 49. So I'm going to read about the woman of the issue of blood. And I know this is a really um, popular story. And, you know, it's easy to think, oh, yeah, know that story. Just open your hearts for a minute and allow God to show you something different. Um, So 8.40, and it starts off saying, So it was when Jesus returned that the multitude welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him there. So just stop there. How it says a multitude, there's lots and lots of people around. It's not like he's just wandering around with nothing to do. There's heaps of people around, you know. And then 41, it says, And behold, there was a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue. So this guy is someone of position in the community. You know, he's a ruler, he's a leader. And so he approaches Jesus and it says, And he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged, and begged him to come to his house. 42, For he had an only daughter, about 12 years old, and she was dying. You know, I just love how it also says it's his only daughter, like as if it wasn't a pressing enough issue. He's a leader. There's heaps of people around Jesus. Everyone's watching Jesus, what he's going to do. It's like this is his only daughter, and it says she was dying. So Jesus says, sure, let's go. Um, 43. Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any other way came from behind and touched the border of his garden garment and immediately her flow of blood stopped. So see how it says immediately. Immediately in that moment she received all that she needed. She was there for healing. It says it happened immediately. You'd think, uh, you know, it'd be good to go. She could just continue on and Jesus could go on to this pressing issue with, with this ruler whose daughter is dying. But 45, Jesus, and Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes throng around you and press you, and you say, Who touched me? And see, even then, he, he still has to go further. 46, it says, But Jesus said, Somebody touch me, for I perceive power going out from me. He's really wanting to, to do something here. You know, he could have had plenty of opportunity to just go and continue with what originally he was doing. But 47 says, Now when the woman stopped and saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And 48 says, Daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And the thing that um, I really want to bring out of this scripture is, you know, it wasn't enough for Jesus that the healing just took place. Jesus just could have kept on going. She was healed immediately. But Jesus actually wanted to stop. He wanted to meet with her. He wanted to have that face-to-face encounter with her and acknowledge her. And that just shows a part of his character that he so wants to meet with us. It's not just about, okay, your needs are being met. No, he wanted a face-to-face encounter with this woman. And, you know, the fact that she, you know, in the eyes of society was no one valuable, to Jesus she was valuable and it meant so much to him to stop. Amen. So, you know, when we draw near to him, we're drawing near to peace, we're drawing near to love, we're drawing near to breakthrough. I remember um, about six years ago, six, seven years ago, coming into church and, you know, I'd walked away from God for quite some time And I just remember encountering God through worship. 
you know, it was these moments just sitting in the back and it was just like every Sunday I was just encountering him, encountering his love, you know, and that just that he so desired to meet with me in those moments as well. And I'd just stop and talk just for a minute about, um, you know, the corporate anointing that happens in the body when we do worship. That's not something you can mimic at home. There is something powerful that happens when people, when God's people come together and worship Amen. God is about setting the captives free. And I just share a quick testimony as well of something that happened, you know, um, when I was sitting up the back, just enjoying worship, just pressing in for more of God. It, it was a situation that I'd sort of mulled over for a long, long time. And in worship, it was like God, it actually felt like a ton of bricks had been lifted off me in that moment. And, you know, the situation hadn't changed. The situation was exactly the same. But in that moment, God replaced what was in my heart about this situation, which was fear and anxiety, unsure, and he replaced it with all that he is. Amen. He wants to do that for all of us. And it's powerful. And... You know, Greg and I are really intentional about trying to cultivate something of God every day in our home as well. You know, praying with the kids, just having that atmosphere that glorifies God, even if it's just worship, just including him, even to have like intimacy and closeness with him as we're, you know, making breakfast or whatever it is. And um, Alara, a few uh, weeks ago, our middle girl, put her to bed and she was just, had had a really bad day. She was so overtired. She's in bed and she's just crying and I'm trying to get her to sleep. And I was like, okay, Lara, let's just pray. We'll just pray and just invite Jesus. We'll just lift him up in this moment. And it was just a simple prayer. And it was just, thank you, God, that you're here. We just praise you. You're so good. And it was like the Holy Spirit just, just fell in there. And, I, and it was this moment where I, and Alara stopped crying. And I said, can you feel Jesus right now? And she was like, no. <laughs> And I said to her, well, can you feel peace right now? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, well, that's Jesus. Amen. He's so good. And for me, having these moments just one-on-one with God and I, this is actually how I put my life back together, you know, because I did walk away from God for so long. I had so much just in my life that wasn't supposed to be there. Addiction, bondage, shame, you name it, I did it, I had it. (laughs) And so it was these moments that I was having at church where I thought, I need that at home. I need something tangible, something real of you, God. I went to a Christian school growing up. You know, I'd been around religion. It can't just be about memorising a scripture and having a church membership on a Sunday. If I'm going to stay free, I need something of you every day, Lord. Um, and I'll just talk into that for a moment. Ephesians 1, 23 says, God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church, his body, is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. And I just remember saying to God, you know, I've lived so long trying to fill my life with all these other things. God, your word says there that you fill all things everywhere with yourself. God, I need you to fill me. This is going to be the only thing that's going to keep me free. Amen. So it was just that going after God every day like that. Daily bread. Amen. Can you turn to Matthew chapter 4, please? We're going to read um, verse 1 to 4. So it says, I'm reading from the New King James, by the way. 
Um, And this is where Satan tempts Jesus. So 4 verse 1. And then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was hungry. And then it says in verse 3, Now the tempter came to him. And just notice how uh, Satan's name there is the tempter. So it kind of shows you, okay, this is going to be a bit of a motive of his. He's identified as the tempter here. So he came to him and said, If you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. You know, so the enemy is coming in. He's thinking this possibly is a weak point that I'm going to be able to get him. But we know that the word says that Jesus was tempted on all points, but was without sin. Amen. So this is like an illustration for us that we can use in our life when we're struggling in different areas. And verse 4 And it says, but he answered, and I love Jesus' response. He said, it is written, I'm sure you could all say this with me out loud. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Amen. So Jesus paints a picture there of dependence on God, dependence on hearing from God, a picture of intimacy. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And he's actually quoting an Old Testament scripture there um, where the Israelites were wandering for 40 years in the desert. And I'm sure most of you guys know this. God fed them with manna from heaven and they weren't to store that manna up. If they stored it up, it says that it went mouldy for the next day. You know, he was making them dependent on hearing from him, dependent on him. Amen. And this is, like I said, this is how I put my life back together. It's simple. It sounds simple, but it's actually something that we can do for ourselves. Amen. Allowing him to completely satisfy us. Okay. So I'm just going to be talking about a lifestyle of worship now and how a lifestyle of worship is a lifestyle of breakthrough. Amen. The Strong's definition uh, for worship says to bow oneself down, to crouch, to fall flat, to humbly beseech, to reverence, to worship humbly. But who knows that worship is not just a physical position, but it's actually a position of the heart. You know, it's something that we do from the heart. And I'm just going to be talking about the word reverence there for a minute. Um, Turn to John chapter 4, please. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And you know, I was thinking about this and I was thinking, okay, so God, when we come to you, we don't worship you through our worthiness. We don't worship you through our ability Amen. It says in the Bible that the flesh profits nothing. When we worship you, we have access to you by what you've done and your truth. And when we're facing a situation, we need to ask ourselves, God, what is, what is the truth of your character in this situation? Um, let's have a little story to share on that point. It was um, Greg and I were trying to... Um, get pregnant and we'd had fallen pregnant um, and the baby uh, in the womb was about 12 weeks old Um, and we'd actually found out previous to that that Greg and I had a one in four chance that the baby was going to have a severe uh, medical condition it was a genetic thing something with our genes Um, so there's a one in four chance every time we get pregnant that this baby is going to have this severe condition and so you know I just remember believing for a healthy baby believing for a healthy baby you know God 
just really trying to press in for this. And it was the moment where we found out if the baby was going to be healthy or not. And it had to be done at the 12-week scan, just the way it worked out. And so I remember lying in, in the chair, you know, they, they're doing the ultrasound. And I just remember thinking in this situation, God, who are you in this situation right now? Who are you? What, what do you want to do in this situation? And it was Jehovah Rapha, you know, the Lord God who heals. So that's something that we need to be um, aware of whenever we're facing a situation. God, what is your character in this situation and what do you want to do? Amen. It's, it's about submitting to truth as well, the truth of his word. You know, when we're believing for something, it's not like we need to try and work some big level of faith up and, okay, now I've got enough faith to believe. No, it's just submit and reverence, come under his truth. It's that simple. I think the enemy tries and lies to us sometimes and says, you know, your level of faith isn't quite there yet. You're not going to see that breakthrough. Actually, it's just about stepping in and believing what he's already done and said. Amen. And, you know, it's not always easy and convenient to do this. Sometimes when things are going bad, it's kind of like, last thing I feel like doing right now is worshipping you when things are falling apart. <laughs> Hebrews 13, 15, you don't need to turn there. I'm just going to read one verse. And it says, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continuously. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. I was thinking about this verse the other day. Who remembers the old song, and it's, we bring a sacrifice of praise into the heart. I can't sing. You're not blessed by my singing. That's okay. <laughs> so I was thinking about that song <laughs> and that verse. And I thought, sacrifice of praise. That's, that's an interesting one. And I had my coffee. And I, usually I get up early. I hadn't been doing that. Usually I get up early, spend time with God. I'd just pretty much been lazy, hadn't been doing it. And so I dropped the kids off at school, had my coffee. I thought, oh, God, I'll give you 20 minutes now and then I'll go and do what I need to do. And as I was walking down the beach and I was thinking, God, what does sacrifice of praise mean with my coffee, just having this conversation with God? And he said, this time right now didn't cost you anything. And I was like, pardon? <laughs> like, what do you mean by that? You know, there's something special that happens when we give God something that costs us something. And I'm not saying that everyone needs to get up at 5.30 to hear from God. That's, that's not what I'm saying. Let's not get religious about this now. You know, I think of the story about the woman with the alabaster jar. She broke all of that oil over the feet of Jesus and he just said, that is just so precious to me. Amen. So it's not always convenient. But when we worship during a crisis... That sacrifice of praise, that is a powerful incense that goes up to God. Amen. Just looking at the time, I'm going to skip through a few points. Um, turn to Daniel 3, please. Who's familiar with the story of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego? Abednego, I said that wrong. Daniel 3, 16 to 18. So there was a, a king at the time named King Nebuchadnezzar. I'm not going to read through the backstory. I'll just tell you. He created a big golden statue and he said, I want everyone to worship this statue. Whenever you hear the music throughout the land, it's time to get down on your knees and worship this statue. And there were three people who didn't want to do that. And I always used to read this and say, well, isn't, isn't it a lack of faith of what they said? I'll read you what, what, what their response is and then, then we'll go through it. So Daniel three sixteen to 18, it says, 
So this is their response to the king and not wanting to worship. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. Verse 17. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. They were going to be thrown in the furnace if they didn't bow down and worship the statue. And it says, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. And verse 18 is a verse that I never really got until recently. It says, but if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the image which you have set up. So they're saying, even if God doesn't deliver us, we're not, we're not going to bow down and worship. And I used to read that and go, isn't that a lack of faith? They're saying, but if God doesn't do it, that, you know, they're putting a bit of doubt in there. Actually, no, this is a predetermined heart of worship. No matter what happens in the situation or the circumstance, we are going to praise you, God, no matter what is going on. And that is such a powerful thing that we can do as believers. Amen. Let's just go to the last point. So I want to talk for a minute about a heart of worship, a heart that's turned towards God, a heart that's soft towards God, a heart that knows God. A heart of worship is a thankful heart. And, you know, who knows that sometimes our circumstances can attempt to harden our hearts. You know, we can... um, harden to the fact that we're never going to see something change. We can harden to the fact that perhaps we're not going to get freedom from a certain area and it starts to change our heart. You know, Proverbs 4.23 says, Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. So whether it's good, whether it's bad, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Amen. So we offer our heart as a worship to God. And, you know, I was just thinking about this point and, you know, about the heart being how, how we live, how we talk, how we act, it all comes from our heart. And um, we went to the Royal Show this last year. And, uh, you know, when you've got kids that are getting a bit older, they want you to go on rides with them. And I'm like, oh, Greg wasn't there. I couldn't palm that off. Lacey's like, can you go on this ride, Mum? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> So I picked like the lowest, slowest possible ride that was there. She wanted to go on the big... This one looks fun. And she was like, okay, it was a bit of a compromise. Anyway, so we went on the Sizzler. Who's been on the Sizzler? What was I thinking? So it's like the centre part is the engine and, you know, that's what makes it all go round. And then from the engine are these long like metal arms and you'd sit on the seat and it goes one way for like five minutes honestly the worst and then it goes the other way for another if you hadn't had enough now we're going the other way you know it was like one of those good mum things that I did but I was thinking about this you know it wasn't the arms that were making that thing go around it was the engine what was in the middle that made it go around amen and that's what our hearts like that's why it's so important to guard our hearts Um, Walking with God closely can stop us from getting a hard heart in certain areas. Who knows that it's possible to respond from the heart of God, to speak from the heart of God, to go about our day from the heart of God, to see others from the heart of God, to make decisions from the heart of God. What an amazing way to live. We are his representatives and in this day we have to know his heart. There's no shortcut to this, guys. It's just fellowship. It's spending time with him. And... Just quickly look at David, because David was called a man after God's own heart. Who knows that? Amen. 
You don't need to turn there. You can actually turn to 2 Samuel. This will be the last scripture. Uh, Turn to 2 Samuel chapter 1. Um, Yeah, so David was a man after God's own heart. You know that David wrote in Psalm 103, and many of you are probably familiar with this scripture, and it says, as far as the east is from the west, so God has removed our sins from us. You know, that's a pretty common scripture that we quote. David wrote that under the old covenant. Isn't that amazing? It's because he knew God, he knew the heart of God, that he was inspired to write something like that. Amen. So if we look at, um, if we look at David's heart and how he was with God, and I just want to draw attention to, um, you know, David was the second king that was anointed for Israel. First it was Saul, but we all know that Saul messed up, so then God had to anoint David a man after his own heart. And who knows about Jonathan was Saul's son. You know, and the Bible says these two relationships that uh, David and Saul had versus David and Jonathan had were completely different. So David, uh, Saul was David's enemy. It actually says um, uh, Saul knew that the Lord was with David. uh, um, And then it says that Saul was still afraid of David, so he became his enemy continuously. It says continuously uh, Saul was David's enemy. He spent years trying to kill David, chasing him through, you know, providences and areas and sent armies after him and was just constantly, you know, I don't think I've ever had anyone come after me like that. (laughs) You know, I've had someone maybe say something the wrong way or, you know, that little comment that could have been offensive. I've never had someone try and physically come after me like that. And that's important because I'll just point out as well the relationship that David had with Jonathan, completely opposite. It says that uh, the soul of Jonathan was knit together with the soul of David. And it says that Jonathan loved David as his own. Okay, so two complete... I'm just setting this up here and then we're going to go to Second uh, Samuel 1. So two completely different opposite relationships here. And if we go to Second um, Samuel 1, verses 23 to 25... This is our final scripture, I think. (laughs) Um, And so this is when David got word that Saul and Jonathan had both died. And I read this and I thought, wow, this is how David responded to both Saul and Jonathan dying. So it says, uh, 2 Samuel 1, 23 to 25, it says, Saul and Jonathan were beloved and pleasant in their lives, and in their death they were not divided. They were swifter than eagles, they were stronger than lions. Verse 24 says, O daughters of Israel, weep over Saul. He's telling them to weep over his enemy, who clothed you in scarlet with luxury, who put ornaments of gold on your apparel. It says, how the mighty have fallen. And then he mentions Jonathan as well. He says, Jonathan was slain in your high places. I just read that and thought, that there is not behaviour modification. That there is a true heart that is connected to the heart of God. If he is mourning someone that has tried to kill him for years and years and years, amen, Let's have that connected heart towards God. I just found that astounding. Christianity is not about behaviour modification. It's a change from the inside out. Amen. Thanks, guys. Can everyone please stand? So Psalm 27.4 says, This one thing I have desired of the Lord. One thing. It says that I will seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire 
in his temple. Amen. So I just want to pray over the word that, um, that's been shared today and just close our eyes now. Father God, we just thank you, Lord, for what, what you've shared this morning, Father God, through me, Lord. Father, that none of us ever arrive in this relationship with you, Father God. But I just pray this is like a fresh reminder for every single one of us, Father God, that we can have those moments of worship with you, Father God. That's a high priority to us, Lord, that we can have that lifestyle of worship, Father God, that just reverences the truth of who you are in every situation, Lord and just that heart of worship, Father, the heart that's connected to your heart, Father God, that's so precious in your sight, Father God. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. If anyone needs prayer, just feel free to come up right now. I just feel like God wants to release like a, a freshness over um, His fellowship with with every single one of His people today. You can receive it in your seat or you can come forward for a fresh touch from God. And just that dream that I had, I really feel God on that. It's like, you know, there's more. God wants to show you more. In every single one of our lives, there's always more. Just thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord.